0: I want you to take your Bibles this morning, if you will, please, and turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2 this morning. I didn't know that we would be headed this direction for several weeks. But I want to start out the message as I've started it the last few weeks with saying that I think a lot of times we're not as thankful as we ought to be because we really don't understand all that Jesus has done for us and the magnitude of his sacrifice. So I want want to draw your attention to a great passage of scripture this morning. How many are glad you're saved? Amen? Amen. Amen. Good to be saved today. We want to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. He is worthy. He is worthy. He is high and lifted up today. And he is, worthy, he is worthy of our praise. First uh, Peter chapter 2, when you find your places, if you're able to stand, let's all stand this morning. And We're going to read the first 12 verses uh, of this uh, chapter to try to give you some context if we could. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number, verse number 1. The Bible says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes, Desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. How many have tasted that the Lord is gracious today? Well, I'm glad I got a taste. To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and, what's the word? Precious. 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 Verse five, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, behold, I lay in Sion a chief cornerstone, elect, what's the next word? Precious. Precious. And he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Verse seven, unto you therefore which believe, He is, what's the word? Precious. Precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, They may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. You may be seated this morning. Brother Brandon mentioned choir uh, today. We're going to be starting choir back January 3rd, Lord willing. We're also going to be starting the nurseries back on January 3rd. And so parents with young children, be patient with us just for a few more days. And we're going to be talking to you about uh, about the nurseries I want to talk to you a few minutes this morning about this subject. He is precious. He is precious. I guess some can say that's not a very flashy title, but that's what I want to talk to you about, is he is precious. Amen. I guess in another way you could say, man, that is a really flashy title, preacher. It really is. Uh, I don't know about a flashy title, but boy, what a Savior I have. Am. What a Savior. I want, to, I want to try, if I can, just for a few moments, I want to talk to you about that word precious. We're, gonna, we're just going <clears> to <throat> zero in on that word. It is a word <clears throat> that the ladies use quite, quite often. It is not a word that us men use very much. <clears throat> I hear my wife use it. She'll say, that is precious. You hardly ever hear your preacher say, that is precious. That's precious. But for some reason the Spirit of God very carefully chose this word, precious. Amen. And I want to tell you why he did today. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer. And we'll jump right into the Bible study this morning. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. And Lord, thank you for letting me be a part of something like this. It's a joy and an honor to be back at Calvary. And God, how I pray that you'll bless Uh, In the service, your spirit is already here, God. We've felt your presence. We thank you for the great singing and the wonderful music and the special. And Lord, we even thank you for the announcement time, which tells us that things are happening, things are going on. But God, as we take just a few moments and as we try as a a family, a church family, to, to dive into the word, Lord, I pray that you'll help the word of God to come alive in our hearts and our minds today. Lord, in such a way that It will literally change our lives. Lord, that's what we talked about Wednesday night, the difference between a sermon and a message is that a message from God can effectually work in your heart and life. I pray that's what will happen this morning. I pray that Jesus will be glorified. Heavenly Father, I pray that he will be exalted. I pray that he will increase and at the same time that we shall all decrease. Father, save that one that needs the Lord today. May they find their way to the cross. And then, Lord, I pray that you'll encourage that saint that may be a little discouraged because of something that has happened this week. I do know this. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you'd help us for just a few moments to focus our attention on the Savior. We love you and praise you, Lord. ask you for your power now. In Jesus' name we pray, and for his sake, and all God's people said, amen. Wow, what a chapter. What a, what a chapter, First Timothy chapter 2 is. I want to encourage you to go back and, and study it out. I'm going to be honest with you, this is probably not the last time we're going to be here today, all right? Uh, so many wonderful truths that we can teach out of 1 Timothy chapter number 2. It's important, I believe, that we understand, although I'm not preaching on this, we read enough that I believe it's important for me to, to point out what this chapter is talking about. What is Peter talking about when he mentions in verse number four, verse number five, six, seven, and eight, he talks about stones, this stone, uh, this cornerstone, and this stone of stumbling, and a disallowed stone, and all these things. What, what, What is Peter talking about when he's mentioning this stone? Well, don't forget in Matthew chapter 16, verse number 18, that the Lord when he was speaking to Peter, said this. He said, and I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. When we come to 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter is making it very clear here that the rock that the Lord was talking about was not, in fact, Peter. The rock was Jesus. And so please understand that, that the church is not built on Peter. Peter is not that rock, Peter is not that stone. When Jesus was talking to Peter, he said, Peter, uh, Little Stone, which by the way is what his name means, he said upon this rock, talking about himself, Jesus Christ, upon this rock, I'm gonna build my church. This church is built upon the Lord Jesus Christ. When we come to 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter is pointing that out, that the church is built on a stone. And the stone is not a man. The stone is not a pastor. The stone is not an apostle. The stone is the Lord Jesus Christ. As the Lord drew my attention to this chapter, I'm gonna be honest, I've been trying to, uh, I've really been trying in the last little bit to really commit some scripture to memory. And 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 7, that was my verse I was working on. And, and uh, unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious. And I thought, well, I'm going to read the chapter around that. And so I begin to read the chapter. And I notice here that the apostle Peter mentions the word precious. Not once. Not twice. But he mentions it three different times. By the way, this is definite proof that the Apostle Peter wrote this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You say, Where do you get that from, preacher? Why else would a rugged fisherman use the word precious? That was probably not a word that Peter walked around using. Well, that's a precious fish right there. That's a precious boat. I love that's precious. No. Uh, And so this is proof that he was under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit when he wrote this passage in 1 Peter chapter 2. Now notice, if you will, verse number 4. He said to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and Precious. I love to do word studies, and I begin to study that word out. Uh, The word precious in verse number four is the Greek word intimos, or intimos. It means this. It means held in high honor. It means to be valued, to be prized. And so you could read it like this. To whom coming is unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God, and held in high honor. Prized. Valuable, that's what the Lord was saying, that this stone that Peter is talking about is so valuable. He's so prized. Then we skip down to verse number six. The Bible says, wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, behold, I lay in sign a chief cornerstone, elect precious. And he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. The word precious in verse number six, again, is the word Timas. It means to be held in high honor, to be prized, to be valued. But we notice here that the word precious is used again. Not only those first two times of verse number four, verse number six, but we notice that the apostle uh, Peter uses it again in verse number seven. Now I want you to understand something. That in verses four and six, these are the sentiments of God. In other words, in other words, there's a loving heavenly father that recognizes his son as very precious. That's what he's doing. That's what God is doing. He's saying, please understand that Jesus is precious. That I hold him in high honor. That that uh, he, is, he is very, very valuable. In fact, the Lord said in Acts chapter four and verse number 12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. In Philippians chapter two, verse number nine, he said it like this, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. The psalmist said in Psalm 148, verse 13, let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is excellent. His glory is above the earth and heaven. And so understand, understand that God is saying about his son, Oh, this is my beloved son. This is my valuable son. This is my son that I hold in high honor. And may I say this morning, Calvary Baptist Church, what a disturbing day it is when we see such low regard placed upon the darling son of God. People are so careless. Even Christian people are so careless as to even take his precious name and to use it almost like a curse word. Something goes wrong, a tire goes flat and they say, Jesus Christ. Would you mind if you're gonna use his name in that way? Don't use it in that way around me. And I don't want to hear you curse. I don't think that Christian people ought to use profanity, but I would would rather hear you use profanity than I would to associate my precious Savior's name in a blasphemous, sacrilegious way. Understand something here that God is saying, My Son is precious. (laughs) Oh, if we could get that, He is precious. He is held in high honor. He is worthy of your praise. He's worthy of your attendance. He's worthy of your service. He's worthy. He's worthy because he is held in in high praise. He is in Timos. He is held in high honor. That's That's the meaning. In verse four and verse six. But then we come to verse seven. And Peter says in verse number seven, unto you therefore which believe, he is precious. I was surprised to find that in verse four, the word precious is the Greek word in timos and verse six, the word precious is the Greek word in timos. But in verse seven, it is not. In verse seven, it is the word Time, And it means this. Look it up for yourself. Don't take my word for it. Look it up for yourself. It means money paid. Money paid. Of the price paid or received for a person or thing bought or sold. So you can read it like this. Unto you therefore which believe, he is money paid. He is the price paid for your redemption and my redemption. Oh, hold on, church. We're going somewhere this morning. We're on a trip. Stay in there with us. So God comes and He says in verse number four, He is precious. He's held in high honor. He comes back in verse six and God says, In case you didn't get that, let me say that again. He is precious. He is valuable. He is prized. He is held in high esteem. He, there's no other name like the name of Jesus Christ, and, uh, which every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Oh, I want to tell you something, Calvary Vandal Church, there's nobody quite like Jesus. And that's what God was saying. But when we come to verse number seven, it changes. And God is saying, not only is he highly esteemed, not only is he valuable, not only is he prized, but in verse seven, he is precious. He is the price paid for your redemption and my redemption. Let me see if I can unpack this for you a little bit. Take your Bibles, hold your place because we're going right back there. Hold your place where you are, but turn over to Romans chapter three. Romans chapter number three in your Bibles. and I wanna try to see if we can really Uh, 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 teach this where you get a good understanding of of what we're talking about here. Money paid. Preacher, what's that mean? What what does that mean? Well, look at Romans chapter 3 and verse number 24. Romans 3 verse 24. The Bible says being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Verse 25. Whom God has set forth to be a Notice the word, propitiation. Whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. Propitiation. Now Jesus is the propitiation. What in the world? Propitiation. What does that mean, preacher? The word propitiation means an atoning victim. But specifically and especially the word propitiation there in Romans chapter three, verse number 24, or verse number 25, it means this. It means the lid of the ark, the mercy seat. That's what it means, the mercy seat. Let me give you a picture. Hope you can see this. Under Old Testament law, the high priest, once a year, after he cleanses himself, would enter into a part of the tabernacle called the Holy of Holies, the holiest place. There was a veil that separated the rest of the tabernacle from the Ark of the Covenant. Upon the top of the Ark of the Covenant, you see the cherubs and the wings. That that lid, if you will, on the top of the Ark of the Covenant was called the mercy seat. Between those cherubims was the place where God's glory resided, the Shekinah glory. And every once, once a year, the high priest would enter in behind that veil and he would go up to that mercy seat. Oh, yes. And he would take the blood of an atoning victim, a lamb. And it had to be a lamb without spot. It had to be a lamb without blemish. Couldn't have a broken leg. Couldn't have a bad place in its fur. Couldn't have a a bad eye. It had to be a lamb that was put to the side for a little while and they examined that lamb to make sure that lamb was perfect in every way and then that high priest would take the blood and he would kill the lamb. He would take that blood in a basin and he would walk through the veil back to where the mercy seat was and then he would take that blood and he would sprinkle on the mercy seat, he would sprinkle that blood and that blood would serve as an atoning it would cover the sins of the people for another year. You understand that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, that his blood was the ransom, his blood was the money paid that we might go free, that our sins would be forever covered Jesus Christ was that lamb. That lamb that the high priest took was a picture of what was going to come and year after year after year they would have to apply that blood and apply that blood and apply that blood and apply that blood and oh glory day. One day the son of God came. Jesus came. He was the perfect sinless lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you and he died on the cross for me but then he came out of that grave and he took his blood to that heavenly mercy seat in heaven and sprinkled his own spotless perfect blood on the mercy seat and forever the money was paid, the price was paid so you could be saved so you could be free Jesus is precious he's money paid This week, some of you saw this, I'm sure. This week, a man walked into Bristol, Tennessee uh, in a uh, a Walmart in Bristol, Tennessee and uh, wrote Walmart a check for almost $65,000. And he paid off every single person's layaway. He paid them off. One man was reported as saying this. He said, I was confused. When I received the call, they called me to tell me that my items had been paid off and your order is ready for pickup. Oh, y'all better hold, y'all better hold on. Yes. Boy, I'm so glad for that day when the Lord convicted me of my sin and my unrighteousness and my lost condition and thank God for that day when I trusted his blood I trusted that propitiation I trusted that atoning victim and what he did on Calvary's cross and, and thank God that day it was applied to my account and that day that day many many years ago in a little office way out in West oak County way out in the country in a little country church I got news for you Jesus was not only held in high esteem and Jesus Jesus was not only valuable and Jesus was not only prized but on that day Jesus for me became precious. He became precious. Hey, he became the money paid so I could be free. Amen. What a Savior. What a, what a Savior. My account has been settled in full. Now I want to take just a moment if I could and I want to tell you some things. When that account was settled. When Jesus became precious, there were some things that changed in my life. And I want to share those things. It's right here in 1 Peter chapter 2, but I want to share those things with you today. How about this? Number one, we notice this. First of all, it changes me into a priest. Amen. Now, let me show you what I'm talking about. Hang in there with me. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 9. The Bible says, but ye are, after we've understood that he's, he's precious. The Bible says in verse number nine, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Amen. The job of the priest was to enter into the presence of God. The job of the priest was to walk with God. And the job of the priest was to be involved in ministry. For those of you here this morning who know that Jesus is precious, For those that are here this morning and you've been washed, you've been sanctified, you've been justified. For those that are here today and you know that Jesus has washed away your sins, I want to tell you this, that God saved you not to sit. When God saved your soul and my soul, he changed us into a priest. And we're to be involved in that priestly work, that New Testament priestly work. We're to walk with him. We're to spend time with him. We're to fellowship with him. But we're to get busy for him. We're to get busy. We're priests of God. We're to get busy with him. Listen, how many know this? How many knows that most things don't fare well when they sit? Is that the truth? All right, this just the way things have gone this year. I haven't been able to use my boat very much at all. Now that I told my wife, I said, I'm going to go out and get the boat ready for winter. And so I went down to just start doing some things and it wouldn't hit a lick. I mean, not a lick. Now, one of the reasons is because it's been sitting there. You can take a nice car, but if you let it sit month after month after month, it's not good for a car to sit. By the way, for that matter, you can take a body. And just let a body sit. And, and and guess what happens? Your health begins to decline. Because you're not active. Because you're not moving. Because you're not, you're, you're not investing yourself in some things. Listen, how many churches are full of people who claim to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, but they're not doing diddly squat for God? Just come in and sit on a pew. And we're glad you're here. Don't get me wrong. We're glad you're here. But I'm just saying this. When God saved you, God didn't save you to be sedentary. God didn't save you to sit there. God saved you to serve Amen. and to be a priest. And so when you understand that he's precious, it does several things. Number one, it changes me into a priest. Number two, we notice it calls me to be peculiar. Now look at your Bibles. First First Peter chapter two and verse number nine, but you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and a holy nation, a peculiar people. Now that does not mean that you're weird. Although, all the, but anyway, that's not what it's talking about. That doesn't mean when you get saved, you're to be a fruitcake. That's not what it's talking about at all. I believe this. I believe when you get saved, you ought to be the classiest person around. I believe you ought to be the best employee. You ought to be, amen. Because you're saved, you ought to be the hardest working employee. You ought to. You ought to be the most mannerized, the most uh, you know, have the manners, and yes, sir, and no, sir, and please, and thank you, and you're welcome. And and uh, and so it's not talking about weird. The word peculiar in verse number nine means this: it means all those who are of the same stock and language. Listen to this part. The word peculiar means which denotes one's own populace. In other words. When you get to that place and you realize that Jesus is precious, he he was money paid for your account, you know what? People ought to start recognizing that you're among the Christian population. That's exactly what it's talking about there. You know what people ought, ought to be saying about you? He's not like everybody else. I don't know what happened to old John. Something happened. He don't act like he used to. I don't know what happened to Bob. I tell you what he used to talk a certain way, he don't talk that way anymore. <laughs> He don't act like those people he used to hang around, those people he used to run with. Uh, he don't act like them anymore. Something's changed. He's changed his talk. He's changed his actions. He's changed his manners. He's changed his personality. He's changed. Hey, I thought about that song, the things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. The things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. There's been a great change since I have been born again. You ought to be peculiar. People ought to understand that since Christ has become precious to you, the world ought to see some changes taking place. Most of you have heard, many of you have heard the story of Ronald Deans. Ronald was uh, Ronald's in heaven this morning. Ronald was pretty much the community drunk here in Union Grove, North Carolina. I met him several times before he got saved. And one Sunday morning, long story short, one Sunday morning Ronald Deans rode his bicycle down Indian Hill Road and he walked into the auditorium down here in the old building. We all, we shouldn't have, but most of us thought Ronald must be on hard times. He must need some groceries. He must be hungry. And so we were waiting on Ronald to come up and say, Preacher, I need some help. Preacher, I need some food and some groceries. Ronald never said anything about that that day. He sat back on the back row. We have two sections down the old building. He sat right back here on this side, the very back row. We had the service that day. I preached the gospel, and that day Ronald Dean stepped out, walked the aisle, and we still thought, you know what? Maybe Ronald's just gonna come and say, Pastor, I really need some help. I really need some groceries. Ronald walked out, I met him in the front, and I said, Ronald, can we help you with something? He said, yes, preacher, I need to be saved. Amen. One of our men took Ronald and dealt with him and Ronald received Christ as his savior. You gotta understand something. Ronald didn't have anything. He really didn't even hardly have a roof over his head. He wore the same clothes every day. He had a, a, a dark pair of blue dicky work pants and, a, and one of those blue dicky work shirts. That's pretty much what he wore every single day. But, but I, we noticed though, the next, uh, well, what, what we noticed this, Sunday night, Sunday night, guess who walked in? Ronald Deans walked in. Several days passed, we had a Wednesday service. Guess whose bike pulled in the parking lot? Ronald Deans came in the parking lot. We noticed that Ronald started trying, he started tucking his shirt tail in and trying to start fixing himself up a little bit, trying to start fixing his hair, and. Uh, and he tried to start taking care of himself. Ronald got him a copy of the Word of God. Oh, no, it wasn't one of these Bibles like you might buy out here in the bookstore. It was probably just a little cheapo, but he got him a Bible, and he started carrying that Bible with him every Sunday, and little by little, we begin to see a change in Ronald Dean's life, and you say, preacher, do you believe that Ronald got saved? I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that Ronald Dean's got born again into the family of God, and what used to be the town drunk realize that Jesus is precious you say how do you know preacher because after he died and after I preached his funeral and we buried him right down here I went to visit some of his friends some of his drinking buddies and as I would walk into the room of the hospital and I would say how are you sir I'm Ronald Dean's pastor preacher is it true is it true? Is it true? I said is what true? We heard Ronald Dean's got religion. Ronald got religion. Ronald got We heard Ronald got religion. I said Ronald didn't get religion, but he got a relationship. Amen. And Ronald Dean's realized that Jesus was not just highly esteemed. Jesus is not just prized, but Jesus is precious. Jesus is money paid. Listen, when you come to that place and you realize he's precious, hey, it changes me into a priest. It calls me to be peculiar, but how about this? Number three, it convinces me to show forth praise. Now look at your Bibles, 1, Timothy chapter, 1, Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse nine. But you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, Watch this now. That ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. By the way, Calvary, can I remind us that's what we're here for? Amen. That's why we're created. Yeah. It's to praise him. Yes, sir. Amen. That's what it's all about. It's to glorify him. Isaiah 43 7 says it like this, even everyone that is called by by my name, for I have created him for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. Can I ask you a question? Are you bringing praise to him? Are you glorifying the Lord? Your lifestyle, your talk, your work ethic, the way you treat your spouse, the way you treat your kids, the way you treat your parents. What do you do with your money? What you do with your life, your lifestyle. What you're doing, is it glorifying Him? Is it praising Him? Are you bringing glory to the Savior? John Wesley, we've mentioned John Wesley several times in the last few services. John Wesley was that famous Methodist evangelist that God greatly used to shake Europe. Interesting story about John Wesley was 21 years old. And he was attending Oxford University. John Wesley came from a Christian home. He had a fine upbringing. And they said about John Wesley that he was very gifted. His mind was very gifted, very keen, kind of just a brilliant, brilliant mind. But John Wesley was a snob. He was a bit snobbish. And one day John Wesley was talking to a, what they called a porter, a porter. What is a porter? The porter was the guy, the little guy that down at the railroad station would help you with your luggage, your bags and things. And John Wesley was talking to this porter and as he talked to this porter, he found out this porter was poor as could be. In fact, he only had one coat. He only owned one coat and didn't even have a bed to sleep in. John Wesley, in a sarcastic way, said to, this, said to this man, he said, and what else are you thankful for? And when he said that, the porter, the poor porter, said, oh. He said, I'm just thankful that God has given me my life. God has allowed me to have my being. And he said to John Wesley, I'm just thankful that God allows me, somebody like me, to serve him. Wait a minute now. Wait a minute. That meeting changed John Wesley's life. And John Wesley looked at that man who literally had nothing, didn't even have a bed to sleep in, only had one coat uh, to his name, But yet he was thankful and he was grateful and he was praising the Lord. And that day conviction came to John Wesley and John Wesley said, I'm gonna change my life. I'm gonna start being more thankful. I'm gonna start living a more grateful life. I'm gonna start giving gratitude to the Lord. And they said about John Wesley in 1791 when he lay on his deathbed at the age of 88 years old, he hardly had the strength to do so, but he raised himself up on the bed as he was going out of this world and he began to sing. I'll praise my maker while I have breath you say why I'll tell you why because John Wesley came to that point where he realized Jesus is precious he's money paid you see when you begin to get to that point where you realize all that Jesus has done for you it begins to make some changes it changes me into a priest he didn't save me to sit he saved me to serve It calls me to be peculiar. It convinces me to show forth praise. Hang on, Calvary. But there's one other thing it does. It converts me into a pilgrim. Would you look in your Bibles this morning? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 10. Well, I love this. Peter said, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Look at verse 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and, what's the word? Pilgrims. Pilgrims. Abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. Pilgrim. What is a pilgrim? A pilgrim is one who sojourns on earth. Since Jesus is precious, since Jesus is money paid for my account, It now means that I'm just sojourning here. After I was born again, this world that we're living in, thank God it's a wonderful place, but this world that I'm living in is not my true home. I'm like the songwriter that said, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. Oh, I can't feel much at home in this old world anymore. Paul said in Philippians chapter one, verse 23, for I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Philippians chapter one, verse 21, for to me to live is Christ and to die, Paul said, and to die is (laughs) gain. Paul said, you'll not scare me with death. You won't frighten me with heaven, he said. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 34. For ye had compassion on me and my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. I think it was Charles Weigel. Dr. Charles Weigel. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. Dr. Weigel was way up in age. Dr. Lee Robertson had brought him onto the campus Tennessee Temple University, and they'd put him in a little house and and, uh, they had some nurses going and checking on him. He was way up in age. And they were caring for this man of God in his last years. But word had it that Dr. Weigel was a little depressed. A preacher came by and he said, Dr. Robertson, he said, would it be okay if I go down and talk to him a little bit? And so they said yes. And so he went down to visit with Dr. Charles Weigel And Dr. Weigel was so bad that he couldn't couldn't verbally speak anymore. He would write things out. And this preacher came to visit with him, and he said, Dr. Weigel, I just came here to try to encourage you. And Dr. Weigel wrote on that, he scribbled on that notepad, I just want to go home. And the preacher said, Brother Weigel, you don't need to go home. This is where you need to be. You've got people that care for you and and they're taking care of you. And Dr. Weigel wrote out again, I want to go home. And he said, Dr. Weigel, but you don't understand. They're caring for you. You're in good good care here. And then the old man of God just put down the pad and he started doing this. You know what he was saying? I don't want to go home. I want to go home. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. You'll forgive me if I'm not too connected to this world right here. Because thank God there came a day when I realized something. He's not just highly esteemed, he's not just valuable. He's money paid. He was the atoning victim, he paid the ransom for my salvation. And when he done that, it made me a pilgrim. I'm just passing through. There was a little boy that had lung cancer. Dr. James Dobson told this story. He had lung cancer. It was very bad. He had a mother that was there with him every day. She cared for him, was right there by his side, held him on her lap, and tried to love him as a mother would. One day, the nurse, one day the nurse came into the room and the little boy was saying, I hear them. I hear the bells. I hear the bells ringing. I hear the bells. I, I hear the bells. The nurse came to his mom and said, he's, he's uh, getting close and he's just hallucinating. And the mom got a big smile on her face and she said, Oh, no. She said, you don't understand. She said, I told my little boy, she said, honey, whenever you get frightened and whenever you can't breathe, if you'll just listen real close, you'll hear him ringing the bells of heaven for you. that little boy, when that little boy took his last breath, he said, mama, I hear the bells. They're ringing the bells for me, mama. You say, preach, you believe that story? You better know I do, my dear friend, because he is precious. He is money paid. He has spilt his blood so I could be redeemed, so I could go to heaven. And when he did that, it made me a pilgrim in this land. Oh, listen, don't get too attached to this world right here. We're just passing through. And by the way, it looks like it won't be long before we'll all be making that transition to a wonderful place called heaven. Let's bow our heads this morning. Father, thank you for this great truth this morning. Thank you for reminding us that our Savior is not just highly esteemed, although He is. He's not just valuable, although He is. He is not just prized, although he is the greatest prize that we'll ever have. But Lord, he is Tim E. He is money paid. He has purchased my redemption through his own blood. Father, I pray that you'll give us some folks at Calvary Baptist Church who will come to that point in their life where they realize just how precious Jesus is And some folks today that will just say, I'm signing on. This is it. This is my new way of life. I'm living for Christ. I'm going forward for the cause of Jesus. He saved me. He's redeemed me. He's given me a home in heaven. And I'm going to serve him the rest of my life.